Hello and welcome back to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I'm currently doing throwbacks through my old podcasts just to bring you some of the joy that I've experienced through talking to other property investors in the industry. Before I introduce today and my throwback, I want you to go and join Crossing Over to Commercial, my 60-minute e course, which is going to help you cross over from residential property to commercial property and everything you need to know. It's completely free. It is my service to you to help you understand what commercial property is all about and how that differs from residential property. So I want you to head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash crossing over to commercial. And I would like you to join it. Go and have a look through it. It will take 60 minutes of your time and I promise you it'll be well worth it. So today I am going back in time to another one of my very good friends in the property industry, Danielle Bell. She has been on my podcast twice and they are two fantastic pods. So what I have done after the break, you are going to be able to hear both of those podcasts. I want you to go and listen to them. We did Finding the Right Property way back in August 2020. That was the very first time that I had ever spoken to Danielle and we got on like a house on fire. And then I invited her to come back to record a podcast called How to Avoid Disasters in Commercial Property and Residential Property Investment. And that went live on the 11th of May, 2021. I still go back to these podcasts and listen to them because we have the best time. We just laugh. This is like our normal relationship. That's how we talk. We communicate. Again, we're in vo we're voice noting each other all of the time with ideas, sharing comments. And I want you to get that infectious too. This is what being in property is all about, having great friends, great people around you who can and will just support everything that you're doing, but also challenge you in conversation. That is so, so important so that we can keep elevating each other and learning. So without further ado, let's go on over to these podcasts with Danielle. Hello and welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you haven't been to my website yet, I don't know why you haven't, but do head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk, pick up all of the freebies that I've got going on over there and take a look at my programs and the services that I offer. So make sure that you are doing that. There is so much goodness over there. So today, let's get on to that. I am very, very, very excited to welcome Danielle Bell, Hungry Mummy, onto the podcast. Yes. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> Hi, Natasha. I love your chirpiness. That's infectious, by the way. <laughs> that, uh, thank you. That absolutely is. No, thank you for having me. I, I, I said to you just previously, look, um, I've been really looking forward to this. Um, I know that we had scheduled previously and life got in the way. Um, but yeah, massive thank you. Very excited to be here. So thank you so much for that pleasure you've just moved house that's what's happened isn't it yeah um yeah so so as if the global pandemic wasn't enough um for all our stress levels i decided to 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 move house so we'd actually agreed to sale prior to coronavirus um due to move out on the day that lockdown kicked in so that put a bit of a spanner in the works um fast forward on four months we are now um in our well in our new home but i am grayer 
Um, I am older looking and um, I've def- I've consumed more alcohol than I should have. Um, <laughs> That's the same for everybody good. during lockdown. Seriously, I'd got to a yeah. point where it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> stop going and buying as much wine. <laughs> I know. Well, when when the when the trousers don't fit anymore, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I should maybe I should stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, let me give it. Let me tell everybody a little bit about you. If you haven't heard sure. of Danielle before, then you need to go and check her out on um, Instagram. I'll put the link below. Danielle is a professional cool. property investor, property sourcing specialist, entrepreneur, co-host of Progressive Property Network, Belfast, and founder of Property Sourcing Made Simple. And today, <laughs> we are going to have a conversation about how to find the right property. But first, how did you get started in property investment? Um, good question, Natasha. And so I'm going to give you the shortened version. Um, a property has always been in my family's blood um, from I was little. Um, but the crash of 2008 was not kind to my family by any stretch of the imagination. So um, my, my parents lost um, the entire portfolio that they had built from scratch, bar, bar our family home. So that sent massive shockwaves through our family for a long, long time. And if I'm honest, it's, it's still a very sore point today um so i i had always wanted the security of property but i needed the education around it which they did not have um mm-hmm. and i and i believe that perhaps if they had the education with the property things may not have been quite so dire um fast forward on again um i kind of did the university fell into financial analysis worked for the new york stock exchange but always had this burning desire for property i think it was the physicality of the owning these mm-hmm. properties, you know, of of driving down streets and saying, well, that's mine and that's mine and that's mine. You know, I, I kind of was lured in by that buzz and I wanted a bit of, to leave a legacy um, that I knew my parents had worked so hard to try and leave and, and, and it completely wiped out. So um, my husband and I had said, look, let's try and start the buy to let route. We gathered mm-hmm. together a deposit. But what we were not planning for was having to do multiple rounds of IVF to conceive our son. So. If anybody knows, they will know that IVF is exceptionally expensive. It is not a cheap um, process. So the the money that we had set aside for our buy to let was completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay because I've now got a beautiful three and a half year old son. That's fine. Um, he was bloody expensive, but you know that's okay. <laughs> He's here. Yes. Uh, yeah, he is. So I had to look at getting into property without the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I educated myself on sourcing and trading. Um, and I guess the rest is history because the last two and a half years, I have just put my head down um, and focused on my end goal. Um, and I I say that I'm going to build an empire and I, I really do mean it. People laugh at me when I say that. Um, but that just makes me more hungry, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um so that, that's in a nutshell, Natasha, that's how I got into property. Um, no money, no knowledge, no context, no context. So just educated myself on a strategy that could afford me further down the line um, the ability to build and scale. And that's what it's done. So let's talk about that strategy. What strategy yeah. have you used so far? What's oh, Okay, so I have just been, I, I started off sourcing buy to lets. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing, sourcing buy to lets for investors. Um, as I progressed on that journey, and it did happen quite quickly, um, I found myself um, building relationships with these investors who happened to be high net worth investors. And 
you know, I had been hearing and reading that, you know, you can JV and you can raise angel finance and you can use other people's money and no money down. And up until that point, I believed it to be hocus pocus. And as anybody would without the education, you know, you're ignorant to it. Um, so when I eventually picked up the courage to try and raise finance, that's when things turned around on their head for me massively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have I'm now the investor as opposed to the sourcer. And I like I like that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I am very, very adamant that every property investor should have sourcing and trading properties in their toolkit at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there will come a day when you, when you cannot, you can't take every deal, Natasha, you just can't, you know, every deal that comes in front of you just can't take every deal, but you shouldn't leave it on the table either. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I feel that the property trading expertise and the property sourcing ability certainly comes in as a very handy tool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cash flow generator. So it's a cash injection. Um, and and uh, that's vitally important to have as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely get it. We all. Uh, we, yeah. For most people, I'm going to say this because I don't think a lot of people do say this honestly enough. Property invest- investors on the most for the most part, before they go into their retirement, where whatever that looks like, everybody's got yeah. their property investments, but they've also got something else going on on the side where they're also getting that cash injection from. 100%. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is, do you know, that's actually a breath of fresh air. And I'll tell you why. I don't buy into the get rich quick schemes. And I think they are too heavily promoted there. Um I know you're spending some of your time in in the US, but you are very on point with the UK market. And you will know that the large training organizations are promoting, you know, millionaire status in a three-day course. Um, That's just not reality. That's not life. And if your capital's tied up in a bloody property, you need the cash flow coming in. Um, So having these properties is great. And the asset base is fantastic. But it's not spitting out life-changing sums of money today. Um, and that such a breath of fresh air to hear you say that because you're 100% right. People do not speak about this enough. And yeah, I mean, I don't know what you your alternative strategies are, but for me, um, aside of the investing, um, sourcing and trading is absolutely in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Absolutely in my toolbox, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I completely get it. I was telling someone yesterday, um, I said the largest property portfolio I ever worked for yeah. was £500 million worth of property. It took well. 500 years to build. <laughs> that's not, that, is a, what? That, that is a family estate that you, went yeah. up sometime in yeah. the mid 15 hundreds and they've always owned the land and they've just, every time it's been knocked down, they've rebuilt on top of it. And now, they rebuilt. yeah. So, okay, they... They can live off that. Yeah. <laughs> 500 years. I completely, I mean, I, I speak to people. You're so right. I mean, you're so on point with this. I, I speak to people and, you know, they ask, of you, what have you got and what are you doing? And, okay. And they're like, oh, you know, right, okay. Does it take that long? I'm like, what? really? You know, really? Um, but it's refreshing to speak to somebody who appreciates that viewpoint because it's not widely spoken about. And it's, it's, in fact, if you said this within property forums, you'd probably be blocked. <laughs> I'm blocked from a lot of property yeah. forums. Don't you worry. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I've really, already been in there really? and that's happened. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I, 
I've been temporarily blocked and then let back in again. And I, I, I'm still rattling a few cages even as we speak. But do you know what? What I'd say to that, Natasha, is if you're blocked, they've noticed you. And if if the if you're starting to get some sort of hate or, you know, unsavory comments, you've rattled cages for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you don't have haters, you're not big enough. Um, so <laughs> I... It's, that's true if you if there's nobody hating on you then you're not doing enough um so yeah onwards and upwards for sure should we talk about finding properties some of the please there's okay so there's two big things which i know that people get stuck on finding money yeah. and finding properties so yeah let's talk finding properties today let's talk about how do you find the right property for you what is the process Okay, so, I mean, using my investment strategy, and my investment strategy is not sexy, it's not attractive, it's buy to let, okay? Mm-hmm. So, however, what I would say is never have I been more thankful for a non-sexy strategy than in the middle of a pandemic because, you know, I, I, I buy two up, two down, mid-terraced Victorian properties. That's my thing, mm-hmm. okay? They work all day long. Yeah. They do. Um, so... I was happy with that strategy, but a lot of people say to me, oh, would you not like HMO or would you not, you know, and this works for me, mm-hmm. okay? I have I have rent to rent HMOs, but I, in terms of buying, my assets are, are buy to let. Um, the way that I find my properties, uh, Natasha, has always been via building massive relationships with one or two agents in my area. Mm-hmm. So. I made that my absolute priority when I started in sourcing because you have to recognize your skill sets and your strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the knowledge for the property, although I was putting that in the background through through, through my education. But what I did have was um, an ability to converse with people and to do it confidently. So I made that my strongest selling point and quite literally knocked on the doors of estate agents and just sort of stalked them. Um, don't want to say that too much. I might don't want to get arrested, but I, I guess I did stalk one or two agents in my local area. Um, told them what it is that I was looking to do. I was met with laughter from some, but I was also met with faith from two. Mm-hmm. And that's all it took. That's all it took was a little bit of understanding and a little bit of faith. Um, and from that point onwards, and this probably sounds too good to be true, but honestly, from that point onwards, nurturing that relationship with these two agents has built my portfolio Mm -hmm. and has built the portfolio of the investors that I was working with in the early days. So always kind of being that first refusal call has helped me massively. So what do, how do I find my properties? Well, I guess I cheat and they find them for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not, I'm not being arrogant about that, but they know now what I want. They know what I need. And if they get it on their books, I'll always get that call. And, you know, I think that's uh, if you're going to be a serious property investor and if you, you know, certainly looking at property sourcing as a serious strategy, that's that's how you have to position yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you've given them a set then of criteria that they need to send you. Is that right? You're not going to get everything that's on their books. No, 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 no. They know that it has to you know, be a certain gross yield. You know, I'm, I'm sort of working with 10% or more gross yield. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, my, that's my minimum. Um, you know, they know that I have to be getting a minimum cash flow of at least £300 a month after all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in terms of the, the purchase price, they know what I'm looking for. When I give them the bare bones. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, if it doesn't tick what I need minimum, it's on to the next. 
but I'll Fine. always, always get the calls on those properties that meet that criteria. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a bit of a cop out to be fair, but, <laughs> but, 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 but um, listen, you earn your stripes in your early days trading and sourcing. Okay. So you, you are putting in that time and that effort, that sweat effort. But, you know, when, when you get to a certain stage in your journey, I, I guess you do have the benefit of outsource and, and I have definitely outsourced that. Oh, should we tell me about your sweat effort? Because everybody only see, everybody only thinks they see this perfect thing on social media from all of us. Yeah. How many hours are we putting in a day? But this is, the, I was going to swear there, but I won't. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> I'm not going to swear on your podcast, but this is another thing. And I, I, I tell people that I work with privately, you know, nobody tells you about their shit days on Facebook. Nobody tells you about their shit days on Instagram. It's all, you know, fancy restaurants and I'm drinking my champagne and look, I'm on holiday again. And that's great. And that's certainly the things that property can buy you with financial freedom. That's fab if that's what you want, if that's what floats your boat. Great. But you don't see the 15, 16, 17, 18 hour days. You know, you don't see the 5 a.m. starts. And I'm a big fan of the 5 a.m. club. So um, I do swear by that. But, you know, they don't see you at the laptop at 10 o'clock at night, you know, you know, analyzing the deals, replying to investor emails, sorting out builder quotes. You know, they don't see that. They see you boarding the plane to go on your next holiday or they see you in a nice restaurant with your husband or your wife or, you know, that's what they see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, hustle. God damn, is there hustle involved in this? I mean, it's just you don't. But then again, I, and I think you'll agree, you don't make any apologies for that. Um, you know, it's not people think that being your own boss or being an entrepreneur is is um is fancy. It's it's alluring. Yeah, it's got a lovely title, but it's there's pressure. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, you pay the bills at the end of every month. You know, you are responsible for that paycheck that is supposed to come in. Um, while I don't miss corporate world, um certainly the security of a well-paid paycheck at the end of every month can you know give you that bit of a security blanket mm-hmm. i wouldn't change it for the world but the sweat and this again i'm gonna i'm gonna knock on the large training company's doors again and say that they do not tell you that the sweat sweat effort that's involved um they don't tell you of the the hustle and the grind that you must put in and the persistence that you must continuously come up with every single day and it's and it's every day and mm-hmm. um, so you, you you meet newbies to the world of property and you know they've done five viewings and they throw the towel in because they didn't get the deal and i'm thinking really you know try 25 30 viewings then come back to me you know then 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 let me know how you're feeling um so yeah hustle sweat effort it's absolutely essential and if you don't have a work ethic in place don't even bother mm-hmm Mm-hmm. cutthroat cutthroat <laughs> i agree and it, it can be um you can get that effort but you have to realize that it takes time and time and yep. time and all everybody who you think is successful spends a huge amount of their time like i don't know about you but for me i feel like my success like goes like this Occasionally it goes like this, but I've not realized then it plateaus again. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's because you're so deep in the trenches of what you're doing that mm-hmm. sometimes it, it passes you by. And I, I would be prone to burnout. 
Um, and that's definitely something I've had to really take stock of and, and sort of reassess from my own perspective, you know, scheduling commitments and, um, you know, even with, with mentees, and I'm sure you, you mentor as well, Natasha, so you'll, you'll know that I setting boundaries um, very early is really important. Um, otherwise, it, it, it opens a whole can of worms, but you can, can consumed, you can become consumed in just that one element um, of, your, of your business. Um, everything else is just passing you by. So I, it's very important to schedule in you time, family time, husband time, whatever that might be, um, because this this is great and, and the benefits of, of property is lovely and, you know, there's a buzz to, to business. But without the reminder of the things that you are actually doing it for, um, it can become a little bit mundane. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with for you. For sure. I agree yeah. with you. The scheduling thing, my gosh, like I was just saying like the last two weeks I've been on yeah. back to back calls. Like that's it. Start at nine, finish six, seven o'clock. And even last night, um, I'm going through leasehold tribunal on a property, which I thought we weren't going to go through. We now are back at it. I was on mm-hmm. a two and a half hour call to end my night last oh. night trying to get together all of the documents. It never stops. Even when you're a property owner and you're like, yeah, I've got that property. You still got to look after the damn thing. <laughs> exactly. But this is, the, this, this is the non-sexy part of property. And this is the non-sexy part that nobody speaks to you about. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's very refreshing to have a conversation. A, with someone who is saying it as it is, but B, or two, um, with, with a woman um, and I don't know your experiences, but I, I look, I know that you're spending half your time um, in two different countries, but you'll not be oblivious to the fact that within the UK and I'm based in Ireland, property is still very much in man's world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's refreshing to have these conversations with, with women who are hungry and ambitious because, you know, certainly in the property forums and in the property networking events, and I can say that as a host of a networking event, look, every time that we show up, every month you know it's it's 85 percent men and i'm like oh here we go again and i'm not a man hater by any stretch of the imagination absolutely not but i would like to see and encourage more females get involved and we are starting to see that now Mm -hmm. slowly but surely um but yeah these conversations to have with a woman are absolutely you know it it certainly puts a smile on my face because i don't feel quite so alone or alienated in it all yeah. We are over here in the, in the trenches. And I am speaking to more and more women. I see there's like two different kind of sides of it. Sometimes you see people who are trying to walk all over other people to to get to like some sort of prestige, I'm- which... I, I completely stay away from like that for me is a complete like no you you do you over where you're doing it I'm not gonna even yeah. enter into that and then you see the people who just want to like rally around and help one another yeah absolutely uh, and to be part of the latter is exactly where you want to be um fame is just not fame like really I don't give a shit about that excuse my French I just I know what I want to do um if if I become a name that people will find synonymous with property or property sourcing great mm-hmm. that's fab um i would rather have the, the backing of 10 really good people behind me um, and the support than than you know the the cheers of you know thousands in a room absolutely every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm the same i think it's i use social media to build my surveying firm but i don't go away from that and i'm like 
I only got four likes. Yeah, you you won't you won't lose any sleep over that. Look, if if you did, and there are people who do this, social media will ruin you. It will ru- like, people stay up at night looking. Oh, have I got a like? Who said what? Oh, they didn't like my picture. Really? Like, I, I, it's not for me. However, however, it is essential mm-hmm. in property. It's essential. Um, so it's 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 getting that sort of equilibrium and that equal balance of, of how to use it and knowing when to step back and having a level head on your shoulders to say oh well they didn't like my picture that's fine um but i can hands down say that social media has been i'd say 98 percent responsible for my success to date mine too mine too i Good. do agree yes no Good. it's a fabulous it's a fla- fabulous platform we've just got to not worry about it so much yeah. because the other thing is people will still see what you're doing regardless of whether they like it or not so i just have exactly. to put that out there <laughs> the reach yes, is still right. the same yes exactly so what do you think the biggest thing is then that's holding investors back from buying the right property buying the right property right now I, I think it's just the complete uncertainty that we're in mm-hmm. in, the, in the world I mean nobody really has a crystal ball to say look this is what we suspect is going to happen this is definitely going to happen I think the signs and the indicators are certainly there that look we are heading into a recession price property prices are going to take a dip but for the most part what I find with novice investors is that the deal is never really good enough you know and when I say it's never really good enough what I mean is they act based on emotion and not numbers mm-hmm. and that is absolutely killer to your property business I, i've been there look i'm not i didn't i didn't get it right from the start i i offered on emotion i bought on emotion and it bit me in the ass on both occasions um you know so that certainly from a novice property investors perspective um what holds them back is is the emotion um from the more sort of from the more acquainted property and professor inspect perspective it i think at the moment it's just the uncertainty because mm-hmm. we're listening to conflicting reports and i don't i don't know what's been said in the us but it's certainly here in the uk we are being hit every day with recession 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 it's coming it's coming it's coming so you know we didn't have the foresight remember in 2008 um to to double down we didn't really see that coming i mean lehman's brothers collapsed and what i think that was was it September the 11th, 2008, or September the 9th, maybe 2008? September 2008, mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, it did. But we didn't have that foresight then. Um, and so now a lot of people are fearful because the media is putting it out there. Look, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Um, and so people are fearful because 2008, although it was, what, 12 years ago, it's still pretty fresh in people's minds. Mm-hmm. I know it's it's fresh in my mind because my family reeled for years of the aftershocks of 2008. Um so what's putting people off? Fear. Scaremongering mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, it is what it is. Um, at this moment in time, am I actively purchasing? I don't know. Again, I can't speak for you. But what I do find is that in my investment area right now, because of the pent up demand that gathered during lockdown, I've now got really novice investors who are outbidding me on properties um, that previously I would have paid much less for due to the current condition or location Mm -hmm. um so am i rushing into buying right now no but if the right deal comes my way and it's you know it's bulletproof to a certain extent with the recession in place 
I'll do it based on the fact, but certainly not based on emotion. Mm-hmm. So that's what I believe is holding most people back at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just spending a little bit of extra time researching. That's, yeah. That is something that you cannot skip. Your due diligence is... You'd be surprised though. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. And I think oh like you didn't need to buy that you could have put your money somewhere better somewhere else but again like with property I also do believe that there are a means and a ways out of things because it's because you can change it there are things that you can do I'm not going to say that it's going to make you millions or it's going to make you tens of thousands but I never think it's a lost cause so the lucky thing is is you can get out of it you might not come out of it unscathed but you can get out of it Absolutely. But also, if you're buying, as most people are, if you're buying with the mindset of, you know, that set and forget, so buy and die type mentality. When, when, okay, what I mean by that is, well, I, can, <laughs> I can see the, no, the I, 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 but if you know what, if you're buying to hold long term, it doesn't really matter if you're getting into the recession, you know, because you will, you will, those cycles will even themselves out over time, <laughs> you know, and so that, again, benefit of education um we know that and we we can't expect people who have not educated themselves to know that and that's why they come to people like ourselves you know for that knowledge and expertise um but absolutely if you're buying if you're an investment it has to be with the the long game in mind that is where i feel a lot of people new to property fall short because they're looking for the quick win and there there bloody is no quick win it's it doesn't exist um so yeah, what what holds people back? Fear, emotion, and looking for the quick win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. <laughs> Good. Thank God somebody else is on my page. <laughs> I completely agree. The only the only time that I have managed to do quick wins, and when I say quick wins, I mean two year wins. This is not yeah, quick. So it's not quick. <laughs> it's not quick. It's by you know, you have to renegotiate on what you've got when you buy it. But that's not something that just happens with no, that's something that I actively go out and look for. And those deals come along once, oh, please. Tw- once every 12 months, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I, I've done four, I'd say four really deals that I couldn't walk away from in two and a half years. And I, I'm going to put a term out there and I want to know your thoughts on it below market value. Right, BMV. Oh, praise Jesus. Right, so honestly, thank God. I feel like we were supposed to have this conversation, Tasha, if I'm really, really honest. Um, that you're there's just too much synergy in terms of our thought process. I actually did a webinar not too long ago on my loathing, absolute loathing for BMV. The response that I had off the back of that webinar with people like practically in tears saying, Thank you. Because they have been told up until this point that the only way that a, a, a property can be bought, purchased, the only way an investor will look at it if it's 25% below market value, 20% below market value. It's an absolute load of shit, you know? And for so long in my journey, for it's about six months before I really educated myself, I was lured into believing that that was the only way I was going to succeed in property. And it's simply not the way. But again, it is heavily promoted in the forums. It is heavily discussed in the, in the training companies. It, it's BMV or it's nothing. And 
that's not the case. Also, as you've just said, those deals come along maybe every 12 months. So you're right. In, in two and a half years, I got four of those deals. In two and a half years. And I thought, I thought like I had had Christmas. Like this was, yes, you know, but, but early traders and sourcers and deal packagers seem to be of the opinion that they can just hit the streets, knock on a few doors and secure a 25% BMV deal. It's ludicrous. But trust me, they believe it. So, I, <laughs> the podcast before this one is yeah. with the uh, Global Director of Valuations for the RICS. Wow. Um, oh yeah, this will be interesting. I wanted to get him on to be like, tell me about this market value. Do you know what below market value is? He just chuckles to himself. He's <laughs> like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't put that in the red book because it doesn't yeah. exist. You it, might yeah. be a special purchaser, in which case you've got it for, for, as a special purchaser, you've got it at special value. That's never going to be market value, right? No. BMV is a load of rubbish. Praise the Lord. And the fact is, and, and, and I am definitely going to go back and listen to that episode because mm-hmm. I referenced that. So Rick's on value in a property, okay, allow for a 20% error of margin. So on the property, they allow for a 20% error, right? Now, also what people fail to understand is that when you buy a property in a street, you now set that new market value. Mm-hmm. So how can it be below market value if you've set the market value? You know, they, they just don't get it. I'm not into Can you secure properties at a discount? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can buy property at discount for a number of factors. Okay? But that takes it outside of market value because yeah, within yeah. market value, you it's two people trading property without compulsion. But you yeah. get the discount because they are compelled to sell at that price. That's not market it's- value. It's a total anomaly. It really, it really absolutely is. Um, I I do not base my business on it. I did not source based on it until I educated myself. I did try to, I won't lie. I did try to at the start because I thought that's what I had to do. I thought I was failing if I could not secure these properties. Um, I was going in and offering, you know, 20 and 25% below really good properties. And I was being laughed out of estate agents, but I, I thought that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so now to say I have a loathing of the term would be the mildest understatement. But it's it's not. Just doesn't, doesn't mean exist. anything. Doesn't mean anything. No. Um, no. It, and and when I see it on social media, I'm like, fine, it's it's meaningless. Well done. You negotiated on a property. Yeah. That, exactly. You did what you were supposed to do. Like we all wow. have to do. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you like know. anybody who thinks that they get on right move, they see a property and they're like. Oh, BMV property doesn't exist. Does not exist anywhere. Thank God. <laughs> I, 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 I will go. I will go to my grave happy because um, somebody else shares this viewpoint. <laughs> I am so happy at that. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. So there we go. So let's. So what? Do, what do you say that people should do in, instead? What are you like advocating for? Um, actually, what I advocate for is, you know, there are obviously, as we've touched on, genuine reasons why you can secure a discount on the mm-hmm. property. Generally speaking, I tell people to focus on the end repair, sorry, the end value. Okay, mm-hmm. so the after repair value, you know, what value can you add work back from that? So 
that's definitely what I tend to do. That's what I would suggest to the people that I work with. Look, instead of looking for these 25% below market values, go find properties that you can add value to. You know, get the end value. Let's work back from there. Let's take it a system. And that probably sounds quite counterintuitive, but I feel that with property, you should you know work from the end back um, just to assure that you've got all bases covered. So yes, my focus is definitely on the after repair value. That being said, there are instances where you can secure properties um, at a discount. Okay, and that's maybe where your direct to vendor marketing comes in. Um, I've as I've touched on the four properties that I that I did were direct to vendor, and they were definitely the properties that I secured the biggest discount on. Mm-hmm. But it's because I could offer, um, I could offer certainty at a time when they needed it the most. Okay, mm-hmm. so these these particular properties have been let down by first time buyers, you know, and as is often the case, and will get more severe as we go into the, the next quarter you know first time buyer mortgages falling through or you know mortgage approvals not passing by and people needed to sell for a variety of reasons you know we've, we have had separation we've had immigration and i've been able to come in and say listen i can move pretty quickly um mm-hmm. but this is what i'm working with this is my budget this is what I, what do you need this is what i need can we come to a happy medium and nine times out of ten that has worked to my advantage um not BMV, purely offering them certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that goes a long way. Saying what you doing what you say you would do, yeah, goes a long, long way. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's how I tend to focus my strategies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Best way to Fair do enough. it. Yeah. Can <laughs> yeah, yeah, anything else? <laughs> no, but it's it's totally, you know, it's it's not rocket science. It's not. It's just doing what you said you would do. Um, it's being pragmatic. And as you say, due diligence is so underrated. <laughs> it's, you know, people just don't do it. <laughs> and it's so easy to do. At the start of this year, Land Registry made all of their data available. Use it. Yeah. Those are actual sales sales values. Actual sales yeah. values. Now, actual sales values. They stopped during COVID, but slowly yeah. but surely, they're, they're picking that back up again. Yeah. I know. Use it. Yeah. But, but that that would almost be too simple wouldn't it so you know it's again sometimes the simple what's right under your nose is often the thing that you mm-hmm. miss the most to be mm-hmm. fair mm-hmm. um but yeah again the benefit of experience natasha that is actually very true and yeah you know when you just start out in these things it's incredibly overwhelming you don't want to make a mistake there's huge amounts of money on the line i get it yeah i get yeah. it but don't expect to do things perfectly first time around none of us did but no, but um, but you will never do things. Like, perfect does not exist. Perfect does not exist. You know, there's no such thing as the perfect deal. Yeah, there's great deals and there's very good deals and there's maybe not so average deals, but there's there's no such thing as the perfect deal. Um, so I think you just have to rip the plaster off, cover all bases, do mm-hmm. your due diligence, which so many people fall short on, um, so that you can have something you can stand over. Yeah. You know, so that you can say... I, I, I did everything. I covered all bases. We ran the numbers. We ran the numbers again. We ran for scenario A, B, C, have more than one exit option, which again, so many people don't, um, you know, but cover all bases. And you can be fairly certain that, you know, if you do that, that something will turn up right for you. Yeah. And having those options you know? and get out is just vital to your success. I would never do something that I only had one option with because my gosh, like, I'm so stupid, stressing. 
Uh, uh, yeah, stress is not good. Absolutely. And again, I think the benefit of hindsight, we should all look at, at, at 2008. And, and certainly I know when I invest now, and maybe it's because of the personal experience that I, I had during that time that I am like, I, I'm battening down the hatches. I'm looking at everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, get, I say don't invest space with emotion. And maybe to a certain extent that's contradictory because I guess I do the emotions always in the back of my head of what happened, you know, yeah. my, my parents, they lost everything. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to experience that pain again. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of due diligence, my God, I do not miss that one out. I do not miss that one out. Nobody should. No, even if it takes a little bit of time, even if it means that you have to march contractors around to a property that you've not agreed a deal on. So yeah. be it. Oh yeah. Do it. Do it. Absolutely. So, there are highs and lows in properties. What's been your biggest high and your lowest low? Biggest high has actually probably been able to remove myself from the corporate world that I hated, mm-hmm. um, you know, and become financially free through property. Um, you know, that that's probably all encompassing, but it's definitely been the biggest achievement and it's all been achieved through property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the corporate job is great. Um, you know, it was an experience to, to work for the New York Stock Exchange. You know, before I did go and work for them, I used to f- visit New York quite often and stand outside um, the exchange and look at them and like, wow, what what an impressive building. Knew all its history, knew everything about it. And then to, to work for it was just like a dream come true. But as as we began to want a family and I kind of, you know, I wanted to be based at home. I didn't want to be traveling back and forth all the time. It became very draining. So to be able to set a dream and a goal and realize it in a much quicker time than I had actually anticipated um, was my biggest high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lowest, lowest low. Look, look, Natasha, the days are filled with stress. Um, not all the days, but a lot of the days. They're filled mm-hmm. with stress. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's a low, but my biggest regret is that I didn't seek, I didn't have the confidence to seek um, joint venture finance sooner. Mm-hmm. And by by not having that confidence at the start, I definitely let a few perfect deals go by mm-hmm. um, that that my name should have been attached to. Um, so I, the, there's always like the one that got away. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think there's probably more than one that got away in that instance. But I, look, I, I was new to the game and I wanted, I guess I wanted to have all my ducks in a row and the I's dotted and the T's crossed. You know, so it was a confidence builder for me um, mm-hmm. because I was coming from, from a completely non-property background. Um, so yeah, biggest regret, not low, but biggest regret, not having the confidence to raise angel finance sooner mm-hmm. because my portfolio would be um, at an, an even more exponential growth than where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because I've made up for that since then. Um, in lockdown, I've made, I've raised a substantial amount of money to, to build um, all, all my portfolio. So I'm okay with that now. But I, I do I do have the regret of the one that got away, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it happens. It does happen. It does happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Final question. <laughs> sure. How do you see the market changing over the next 12 to 18 months? Are you optimistic or are you thinking? Mm. I think that if you are pragmatic in your approach, you can always invest in property okay mm-hmm. so there are always 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 deals to be had there absolutely are i don't know why that's gone dark and <laughs> um, there are abs- there absolutely are always deals to be had um it's just 
A, knowing the right people and B, looking in the right places. Okay, so there will be opportunity to invest. Okay, from an investment perspective, and that's that's what we are. That's who we do. That's fine. So from an investment perspective, there will be opportunity. Um, there will be the ability to solve problems for people who need your help. Um, as I'm look, I'm not scaremongering, but I do believe that we are heading for for quite a dip. I do. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, I genuinely believe that. Um, I don't feel that we'll feel the full effects of that until um, the first quarter of 2021. Um, I don't know what the rest of the year will hold, but if if the if the market corrections or anything to go by, we should be we're in for a rocky ride. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, is now the time to be frivolent with your purchases? Absolutely not. Um, is it a time to miss out your due diligence? Absolutely not. Um, but can you still invest? Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know, you know, where we're going to be in, in 12 to 18 months time. But what I do know is whatever the cycle, the opportunity will remain the same. In fact, it's probably going to be greater mm-hmm. at this moment in time. I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. Daniel. Good. I'm glad that you agree. <laughs> you are fabulous. <laughs> and can I... For everybody who's listening, if I can give you one takeaway from what you have just heard from Danielle, it's the fact that she's set her goals and what she requires from a property. She's built those relationships and she's stuck to it. If you guys aren't taking that away, then you are going to be overwhelmed. You are going to be not looking in the right places. Please focus at this point because that is what is going to give you the most success. So please take that away from what Danielle has just told you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Natasha. I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you for the last 45 minutes. Oh. And also incredibly, incredibly refreshing. I'm re- re- repeating myself, but to speak to someone who has the same viewpoint on a lot of things in property genuinely puts a smile on my face. So thank you. Mm, my pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. For those Brilliant. of you who are listening, if you've loved this, please share it. We want to see that you've listened to it and we want to see what your key takeaways are. Thank you for joining us over the last 45 minutes. We appreciate it. And I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon. Now we're going to move on to some juicy stuff. I have got my good friend, Danielle Bell here with me again. Hi, Danielle. Ireland's in the house. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes I think that my energy is is, is off the chain, but yours today is uh, very upbeat. It has to be said. Very upbeat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's cool. All right, that's good. Maybe it's Friday. It's that Friday feeling, but it's good. Uh, I think you and I have struggled to, to nail down a, t- a date and a time that worked to catch up so I'm delighted to be like I think this is my second or third time um us talking via podcast and I'm loving it yeah I think no second you came second yeah I know, second, but then I came on yours that's right that's right you came on mine it was good yeah so we've got something going it's great to be here <laughs> it's good to have you so for those of you who haven't met Danielle before what I would what I'm going to do is in the show notes below I'm just going to put our first podcast together. Yes. So Excellent. go and listen to that afterwards and you'll get to know Danielle. Danielle, in a nutshell, in like a 60 second pitch of yourself, what do you do for people who don't know you? 
Oh, okay, 60 second pitch, no pressure. Okay, so by day, I am a full-time property investor and have been for the last three and a half years. Um, but my passion is helping property sourcers and deal packagers who are in the first not to 12 months of their journey, get off the ground and start to grow and scale a property sourcing business by helping them raise finance and find deals. So I, I mix in both my passions. I started, Natasha, as you know, as a property mm -hmm. sourcer, deal packager. Um, Came, came at the game with no experience, no cash, no knowledge, no contacts. Ex-financial analyst for the New York Stock Exchange. Desperately wanted to get into property, did so, and in the last 12 to 14 months have found a passion in helping others do and achieve what I have done in, 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 a, in a relatively short space of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was good. 60 seconds, yeah, now we have it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like buckets here I'm like Jesus was that more than 60 seconds <laughs> no it's fine we're not going to edit you out I'm <laughs> joking I'm joking okay <laughs> so today Danielle and I are going to be talking about something that you guys wrote in and asked me about how to avoid disasters in commercial property and res residential property investment and then we'll go into having a look at what you should be investing in or what you should be looking at Bearing in mind, when we're looking at post-COVID, neither one of us are in possession of a crystal ball unless Danielle has had something delivered to her and will then be giving us the address of where you get that magic from. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Exactly. No. So today we're going to be talking about disasters, what you can do to resolve them, if there is any way out of the disaster, and then what we're going to be looking at post-COVID. So Danielle, first question to you. Your top five property investment disasters. Okay, so before you and I hopped online with this, I kind of said to you, and funny, I was thinking about this today. I was like, I'm slightly blessed that I haven't had five real ground shaking investment challenges. I really haven't. I have had challenges along the way, and I'm, I'm going to go through some of them with you. Um, for, for the listeners, I, I blame Natasha, who asked me to come on the podcast talk about challenges and today just before I came online with the <laughs> with for the podcast I got served my first legal notice ever relating to property investment so hey ho you know I had three before we jumped on now I've got four screw you Natasha so okay Let's jump into my first one. Um, for your listeners, this might be, yeah, you're laughing. It's not fucking funny. I've got, <laughs> I've got a letter that I now need to give attention to. But So we've touched Natasha on the fact that uh, my start in this world was via property sourcing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I've got the first challenge, which will tie lovely into this. So listeners, stick with me. As a sourcer, it is my job to find an investor suitable and worthy um, investment properties that will increase their wealth via the asset class of property. Now, when I first started out on my property sourcing journey, I was working my ass off to build relationships with estate agents, to build relationships networking, which by the way, I am a massive, massive advocate of the fact that company, the company we keep is the currency that nobody speaks about. And, you know, company and my network is definitely my value of currency. So I was putting a lot of time and effort into building up relations with estate agents in the hope that they would warm to my beautiful Irish, lovely, charismatic personality. Right? So I was putting so much effort into that. 
in the hope that um, there would be a mutual beneficial relationship at some point. Now, maybe eight weeks into my journey, which is a really fast turnaround for a sorcerer to do this. But eight weeks into my journey, I was offered by an estate agent that I had wooed. I wooed him dearly, right? He was a much older man, but I wooed him. And eight weeks in, right? Uh, he offers me a portfolio of five, five properties. It's not going to market, Danielle. You're the only person I've given this to. I like what you're doing. I like that you're gutsy. I want to give you a shot. I can see that you're hungry, which I definitely was, and I still am. I was really hungry to get out there. I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to take you on your face value. Now, this is where the challenge creeps in. I had told him I had an investor ready to go. I had told him that the five properties that he had given me off market were the exact criteria of this investor that I had waiting to go. The truth of it was, Natasha, and I'm embarrassed now when I say this, but I didn't have an, an investor. I didn't. Um, now, anybody listening to this who's maybe followed me, because I know lots of the guys inside my club will definitely be listening to this. Natasha, you're familiar with them. Mm -hmm. The guys will know that um, I am a massive advocate of find your investor first. And I don't know if you and I agree on this, but we may not, but I do believe you put your investor first. Don't put the cart before the horse. I am not a fan of, you know, build it and they will come. I'm not. Um, so <laughs> I had these five properties. I promised this guy I've got it ready to go. No investor. So the shit hits the fan. I am looking under rocks to find investors. I am scrambling. I am hustling and doing everything I can to try and get an investor in place. God was looking down on me that week and I found an investor. He said, I like what you've got to offer. I'll take all five of these properties. This is a cash buy. Fab. Let's go. Got it into conveyancing. Um, two or three weeks in, still wasn't progressing much further. Now, it's important to note that the estate agent never questioned me at any stage for proof of funds because he trusted me, because he, he just, this was an off-market deal it was going through. I, as a novice property investor, did not know how to qualify my investor. And I took him at face value, he told me he was buying all five houses cash. And the long and short of it is, is about five or six weeks into the deal, it never should have got that far through conveyancing. Um, but I was saying a lot of prayers every night. Five or six weeks into the deal, it turns out that my investor hadn't a pot to piss in and was stringing both me and the estate agent along for what felt like an eternity. The fallout from that, Natasha, was huge. And it was my first challenge in property. A, because I realized how cutthroat it was. B, because I realized how um, there were sharks everywhere. I just took this guy at face value and you know, I, I didn't know the onboarding process. I didn't know the qualifying questions. I trusted too much, but the real fallout from that was my reputation. So for the guys listening, I'm based in Belfast and you know, Belfast is a pretty small place when you're doing what I do. Um, my reputation, I was only doing this eight weeks. My reputation was mud with that one estate agent who to this day won't take my calls. So that, you know, I, I've since gone on to, to build um, a great name for myself in the city in terms of investment. And, you know, I've worked with several estate agents and I'm well thought of 
in the city in terms of what it is that I do, but this one guy won't take my calls, won't return my messages, and that's three and a half years later. Now, that was a massive challenge for me because I literally was coming into the game with no credibility, and then literally overnight, my name was mud, and that was hard. That was hard. So maybe not the typical challenge you might have been expecting to hear for the first one, but um, it's one that I think mm. the message here, the message for the guys listening is credibility is everything. Credibility is everything. Your name precedes you in everything that you do. How you conduct yourself precedes you in everything that you do. And I get off to a really fucking shitty start. <laughs> and so um, I guess for anybody listening who's maybe at the start of their property investment journey, you know, take heed that these things happen. But if you can safeguard against them, please do. Um, because it takes a long time to try and crawl back from losing credibility. Mm-hmm. So that's challenge number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's a, that's a really good starting point. That's about due diligence and looking into Oh, yeah. I, yeah. But here's the thing. I didn't come from a property education background. Uh, Natasha, you know, I was a financial analyst for the New York Stock Exchange. And so, yes, I had my wits about me. But um, in terms of what property due diligence... Do, I can't even say the word. So there you go. <laughs> Due diligence. Due diligence. I didn't stand a chance. I can't even say the word, right? So <laughs> never, never stood a chance ever. Um, but yes, it is all about uh, due diligence. But it's. I was eager, and I was keen. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, ballsy and sparky, and I wanted to be out. And you know, I was really riding the wave of the energy. But the nuts and bolts just weren't there. The nuts and bolts weren't there. And, and essentially, because the nuts and bolts weren't there, it all fell apart. And, you know, despite the fact that I now host a networking event in Belfast, despite the fact that I invest now heavily in Belfast, despite the fact that I am well known amongst the property circles now in Belfast, and everything else that I have built outside of that, this guy still won't speak to me. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, you let me down. Because obviously, he let his client down as well. Yeah. And he... He was a real old school um, agent. He was, his name is Morris and he's, you know, maybe early seventies. And what I, do you know what hurts me the most there, Natasha, is that he had a portfolio of over 500 properties that I had at my fingertips. Yeah. Um, and it hurts. It hurts because they're all my ideal properties. <laughs> so it is what it is. It is what it is. Challenge number one. Okay, challenge number two. Challenge number two came slightly further down the road. So again, important to highlight, I've only been in property three and a half years. So there's probably a mountain, I don't say probably, I'd say with great certainty, there there are a mountain of problems and challenges that are going to present themselves to me. There's no doubt about it in the years that follow. But challenge number two came when I decided to invest remotely it was a fucking stupid thing to do because I was just getting on my feet starting to invest in the city of Belfast okay I was just building up my buy to let portfolio that's really where by the way I know that you don't think buy to let sexy but it's steady and mm-hmm. that's what I was attracted to okay mm-hmm. so I'm but I'm yeah. branching out now but I'm still very attracted to buy to let so I was just getting on my feet with buy to lets in Belfast Uh, when an opportunity came up in my hometown of Derry, which is uh, 
75 miles outside of Belfast, almost, almost two hours drive time. My parents live there. My family live there. And I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> how hard can this be? Like my dad can sort it out. The challenges arose almost immediately, Natasha. Okay, so I put my dad as PM on this project. It was a bit of an ego trip for him really in hindsight, right? <clears throat> it was a total ego trip for him. Um, but I thought, okay, I'll put dad in charge and you know, dad will convey back and forth to me. The problem started immediately. So first and foremost, and this is gonna come back to due diligence. I was tipped off by my father about this property in this area. Now, you guys will be familiar, you will also be familiar, Natasha, with the Bronx to Manhattan mm -hmm. analogy, right? So I don't invest in Manhattan at present. However, however, I am on the cusp of getting something in Manhattan very, very soon, right? I don't invest in Manhattan and I don't invest in the Bronx. I'm somewhere outside, okay, in a nice, good, investable area. What I didn't know that the property that I had agreed was actually in the Bronx, in this area of my hometown. I took my father's word, who doesn't know a thing about property. He doesn't know a thing about property, but I took his word on the, it'll rent all day long. It'll rent all day long. Anyway, it turns out it didn't. It, it took about, I think it took about 10 weeks to get it let out, which in my in my mind, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. My buy to lets here in Belfast rent like, like that um long story short there however the contractor that we brought in um i had never met him before i had never had a conversation with him before he came on a recommendation from my father of course okay the quote that was given for the works was given verbally and because he was a family friend i was like okay you know that seems reasonable the, the mistakes natasha Here's another thing. The communication lines were absolutely insane because I was having a conversation with my dad who was conveying the message from the contractor. The contractor was calling me, telling me about a conversation he was having with my dad. And look, here's what I, what, what I would say. It was terrible. I would say, first and foremost, you should never work with family. Okay, I don't know if you've ever worked with your family. I don't know if you have ever employed family or have done dealings with them. I will never do that again. From the offset, we were hemorrhaging money. We were hemorrhaging money. It was cost after cost. It was mistake after mistake. There was missed communication. There was no communication. During the refurb works, which he told us would take around three to four weeks, he went for a two-week holiday. A two-week holiday. Mm. Now, I didn't know about this, but my dad did. But my dad didn't think to communicate this with me. Wow. He didn't. But here, But here's the thing. That's my fault because my father didn't understand. Well, like there's a huge lag here. You know, when he's away in two weeks, I'm losing money with these holding costs. I'm losing money with the rent. Yeah. I need to know what's going on. But my father's not from a property background. And it was, he, wasn't, he wasn't getting that. He wasn't understanding that. Um, there was mistake after mistake. He quoted verbally that the kitchen and so no, sorry, he quoted me for the bathroom that it would be around 1200 pounds, which was pretty standard. Okay, like 1200 pounds was in a buy to let. Well, that was fine. Um, the final bill for the bathroom came in just shy of 4,000 pounds. Now, Natasha, when I tell you that the bathroom in the house was like this, it's like, it's like from arm to arm, it was a small fucking bathroom. 
I could not understand where this £4,000 was coming from. It was the exact same issue with the kitchen. He ordered a bath. He did all the measurements. The bath arrived. The bath was too short for the, for the, for the bathroom. It had to go back. It was just an absolute nightmare from start to finish. So what cost us thousands, and then we had the additional um, problem with renting the property out. Mm-hmm. It was in a poor area. Um, it wasn't an area that would be d- defined as the Bronx. Um, it was a real pain in the ass. Now, my problem there, again, comes back to due diligence. I, sh- but I got ahead of myself. I became cocky. I believe that, well, if I can do it here, I can do it there. Like, that's my hometown and my dad's in charge and like, my dad's got all this stuff covered. So lesson that I learned from that, if investing remotely, do your due diligence on the team that you're going to put in place. Don't take word of mouth. I didn't ask for referrals. I didn't ask for past work. I didn't ask for anything like that. There were no contracts signed. Like, this is all schoolgirl errors, schoolgirl errors. Um, if you're investing remotely, there should be a main channel of communication that the project manager, the contractor, and the investor should all communicate via. Yeah. Everything that was done via, for that investment was done via word of mouth. And I was, I was an afterthought. You know, so between my father and the... And look, my dad didn't mean any harm by it. It was just... He, he thought he was doing the right thing, but I was the investor and I was, I was an afterthought. There were decisions being made about my property that I wasn't finding out until the bill came in. And then I'm thinking, well, where did this come from? And, and, and why do we do this? And why is it taking so long? And sorry, you're taking two weeks now and you're telling me now in the middle of your two weeks... It was a really, really hard, hard lesson. But again, brings it back to due diligence. Absolutely. And communication being key. Communication is absolutely vital. So that was challenge number two. Okay. And I agree cool. about the communication. So number three, <laughs> let's go. Okay. Challenge number three. More recent. More recent. And we could not have safeguarded against this. Okay. So I had five HMOs. And those five HMOs, I was branching out. I got my HMOs, you know, like, yeah, this is really great. Cash flows fab, love and life. And COVID arrived on our doorsteps. Uh, we were slapped up the face with a global pandemic. Um, I remember it vividly when things just went to shit on the 23rd of March, 2020. Exactly a week later. So my um, HMOs housed foreign um, teaching students. Who, from Italy, France, and Spain, who taught their languages in the local grammar schools here, right? So I was kind of became like the go-to person because I had a contact in the grammar schools. Yep. So if you, needed, if you needed rooms for a year, if you were teaching, that we could sort it out. So I had five HMOs, three of them were filled with these foreign teaching students. Exactly a week later, they evaporated overnight. Okay, so that was 15 rooms three houses in total, emptied overnight, cash flow stopped, absolute fucking pain in the ass. And I couldn't, because COVID had come in, Natasha, I couldn't um, arrange viewings to have other people come. Yeah, couldn't do it. And then you had the problem that if you had one room 
one tenant still in the property and I had four free rooms, I couldn't bring anybody in to view the property because the tenant had the right to say, I'm sorry, um, you can't bring anybody in here. I know this is your house, by the way, but you can't bring anybody in here, you know, because it's breaching COVID rules. So those rooms were empty and we were out of pocket for around 11 to 12 weeks, which look on the broad spectrum of it, um, because we know COVID is still a thing, um, but 12 weeks with 15 empty rooms is going to hit you hard in the pocket. Yeah. Um, and, and it did. Now, thankfully speaking, the workaround with that was very much that, if you'll remember, well, you won't have had it because you were in the States, but um, my HMOs are right beside two of the major hospitals in Belfast. Mm -hmm. So we've got the City Hospital, we've got the Royal Victoria Hospital. And we were then able to open the three empty HMOs to nursing and medical staff, key okay. workers. So that really, really helped us. Um, but for about three months, it was very, yeah, it was stressful. It was absolutely stressful. Um, I also had serviced accommodation at that same time, cash flowing high. Um, they were in an excellent area of Belfast. They were beside the Harlem and Wolf Cranes, which is the where the Titanic was built. Um, they were beside a lot of the peace murals in Northern Ireland, which attracts tourists by their thousands upon thousands every year. And we had the Game of Thrones exhibition center right beside our properties. Um, really high cash flowing, stopped overnight. 23rd of March, boom, you're done. So we went from um, earning three, four, five on a good month, thousand pounds on the, the service accommodation properties to switching them into buy to lets and 450, 450 a month. Now, what I would say is, you know, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth because it, did it hurt? to take that drop in cash flow every month. Yes, it absolutely did. But I'm also very thankful that for that property, we had an exit and we could, you know, we could switch that round and say, well, look, we can't do the essay on it right now, but let's, let's go back to buy to let and at least cover our mortgage and expenses. Okay. Uh, the HMO, it was painful. The HMO was definitely painful. So yeah, that was challenge number three. I wouldn't say that boils down to due diligence. I would say the lesson there for challenge number three is exit plans. Yes. Yeah, yes. exit plans. And I think we will forever moving forward, COVID proof everything, right? Because we've got the Indian strain, we've got the South African strain. You know, we never really know when this can be, when can we move on? We don't know. And one of the, one of the things, actually I have, a, I have a mini challenge at the moment in terms of making a decision. I have the opportunity to purchase a commercial property and convert it into SA apartments and sell them on as an SA business. But in my head, something's saying to me, it's not a good idea because this, this work will take maybe nine to 12 months to build out. And we don't know where we're going to be in nine to 12 months mm -hmm. in terms of, in terms of COVID, in terms of um, will an SA business be an attractive purchase? Maybe not. Um, so that's something that I'm considering at the moment. And it's more, it's not a challenge. It's more of a quandary. Do I do it? How, do I not? How many would there be? So how there will be six, there will be six apartments in total. Have you considered mm -hmm. going to a hotel chain who specializes in apartments? So even Marriott do it and going to their estates office and saying, Hey, I'm writing this down. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, do you want to rent this building off of me? Because they don't. I love it. They don't buy. They don't particularly buy assets, but they'll come in and fit out. And it may be that you have to buy it and give them 12 months rent free or what have you. But long term, if you've got those people in as a covenant, you can, and you want to sell it on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Natasha. No, I just want to say, I bring you back to uh, the, one of the very first statement I said on this, on this podcast, your company is the currency that nobody talks about. Right. And it is for that very reason that we've just literally 30 seconds and, and you've just given me 10 seconds of gold dust. Yeah. <laughs> 10 seconds of gold dust. Guys, I, I, I bang on about this all the time. Your network is absolutely your network, your network. And it's so cliche. But let that conversation between, between Natasha and I be a testament to the fact that if you're not surrounding yourself with the right people, you are definitely going to hit a brick wall. Natasha, thank you. I will approach. I let will me, approach. Let me know if you need some contact details and I can see who's operating in uh, Belfast and we can send them on to you. Uh, absolutely will. You know what? You totally know I will as well. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fine. I will do that. Okay. Thank you. No thank you. Cool. Right. You're going to ask me about challenge number four. So I don't have five challenges and that's the truth. Um, and I'm touching wood here as we speak. You are I don't lucky. Have, I am, but keep in mind, this is three and a half years. So it's not been, yeah, I mean, I've hit speed bumps along the way. Um, you know, I have embarrassed myself on more than one occasion. <laughs> that's definitely, that's definitely been true. I have massively, um, I have massively underestimated refurbs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a challenge. Um, I massively, uh, this was back in the day when I was sourcing and that's not a good look as a sourcer when you undervalue what a refurb is. And I told this one investor that it would be six and it came in at 12. Um, He was really chilled, but it was not good. Like that didn't look good for me. Um, Trust me though, once bitten, twice shy. Mm -hmm. I am building contingency after contingency into my numbers um, because you don't want, you just, look reputation is everything in this not even this industry but reputation is everything period in business Mm -hmm. it just is so you know yes I've had many challenges but when you asked me to talk about the challenges that that maybe stuck out it was definitely that first one of um embarrassing myself with credibility and not having an investor to find to source the deals onto lost credibility uh then the investing remotely which I've never done again since ever um that investing remotely and i know you do but you probably are well no you absolutely do have a more robust system in place than i do for it um i've just become comfortable with what i know um and instead of of now branching out to other areas i am branching on to bigger deals and that was always the end goal for me you know buy to let's got the hmos you know now it's commercial to residential or and I'm going to see a land development on um, Monday, which is great. So the challenges, as the projects get bigger, as the opportunities get bigger, the challenges there too also become bigger. Um, but yeah, when we spoke about the challenges and you asked me to, to come up with some, those were the main challenges that in my journey have come up. Now, as of today, I did, my phone's dead, I would read the letter out to him, but um, I got a legal letter in today. It came via the estate agent of the of my flip project. So it's sale agreed, it's going through a conveyance and we got 18 grand over asking price, which is fab. 
It's going to a first-time buyer. Um, but the guy next door thought that it wouldn't be prudent to contact me directly. He knows who I am. We've met when I've been up at the property. He thought that he would go hardcore and send a, a legal letter from his solicitor today to me stating that um, the wall, the fence that we have erected between the houses is, um, I think the term that he used, ruining his enjoyment and pleasure of his property. <laughs> right? So it, he will, he's given it seven days to be rectified um, or he will seek legal, legal proceedings. It will be sorted tomorrow. But these are the types of things, Danielle three and a half years ago would have had a panic attack at this. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, holy shit, I am getting sued. Somebody call somebody, you know, have a drink, Danielle, take something chill. Um, but today I'm just like, oh, whatever, you know, it'll be sorted. The handyman will go there tomorrow. We'll get it sorted out. So there, there you go. That's my challenges to date. See, that's really interesting. I was thinking about this. Yeah. Because I, I think it depends upon your personality type as well to what your challenges are so yeah. for you it was kind of like getting started out and the things that were missed but you continued persevering on you know not to do that again and yeah. I thought when I asked you these questions I was like hmm what would have my biggest challenges been over the years yeah mine have just been some awful situations with people really awful situations that I couldn't do anything about in, in the time, but I put myself in some very dangerous situations that I should never have been in. Wow. And that has made me really think about how I do business and who I do mm -hmm. business with. And I had to learn very quickly to read between the lines of what people were saying and know when I was mm. safe and when I wasn't safe. Yeah, yeah. But th that's, that's actually very interesting. You're 100% right. So mine's were actually more mechanical. Yeah. But yours were more emotional. Really emotional. And but there you go. But that, that's so odd because I actually think that we've probably got a similar personality. We're quite upbeat. We're quite yeah. outgoing. You know, we do have a similar personality trait. Um, but you're right. Like, mines are definitely nuts and bolts mechanics, but yours are emotional. And maybe uh, you, you're somebody, Natasha, this is my my take of you. And we've been speaking for about a year now, not, not too shy of a year. My take is that you are somebody who wants to really try and help at yeah. all costs yeah. or in any way that yeah. you can, but sometimes that can be to your detriment. Yep. So you, unfortunately, it's sad to say, but there are sharks out there. There are also people who will hold you to every word, literally, um, no matter how well intended your message was. Um, there are people who will hold you, you you say the wrong word in the wrong tone at the wrong time you're screwed yeah you're screwed. Or, or being unsure of yourself that was when I was a very young surveyor that was what used to get me into the most trouble if I didn't say something confidently or I didn't take time to think and I said something ridiculous that mm. is where I've always got into the most trouble so yeah started really trying to um Assert. think about that <laughs> yeah but also but also I want to touch on something and this may be a popular unpopular opinion but I don't care um a female in this industry um almost needs to stand a little bit taller 
mm-hmm. um, and with her head a little bit higher and her, her chest puffed out a little bit more because um, unfortunately we are in an industry where I don't know if it's so much male dominated. I think as females, we are we are coming into our own right. We've got some very strong female front runners in the property industry and I would class you and I as both of them, right? But in, in different spheres and in different industries, but I'm proud to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't happen overnight and you have to be, confidence comes when you know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I could never stand at the front of a room and pretend that I knew anything about um, specialisms in commercial property or surveying. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm not that person, but I, I will stand at the front of a room confidently in a male environment and talk all day long about property sourcing or buy to lets or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I think that you have to be prepared to talk over the noise, you know, for that self-assured confidence. But that's a really interesting, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting juxtaposition in terms of, yeah, because I do think we're so similar. Yeah, I think, okay, so I'll talk to you about two of the situations very quickly. The first one was my 23rd birthday and a tenant tried to punch me. What? Yes, <laughs> I should not have been in that situation. No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, awkward. Awkward. Um, and so that is lesson learned to never go out on your own to a wow. weird property. Did you dock it? Yeah, she didn't. She didn't manage to. <laughs> that situation was bizarre anyway, because she was being wound up by one of the businesses who were close by. Right. And she thought that I wasn't doing anything about it. And because, yeah. because the noise from this business was meaning she's not sleeping. She's just very irate. Irate with everything. And I had gone into her flat on my own to try and smooth things one morning, I think, before work, and she's not slept the night before. And then oh, the yeah. person that she's seen. So yeah. Yeah. Second time a commercial tenant tried to strangle me for collecting rent what Ugh. oh my god you win, <laughs> you win. <laughs> and so those that's what stuck in my mind because then that's always been so a lot of people do think oh Natasha's quite naive because she's happy and she always comes across nice and she listens to everybody but I do listen to people and I do give people the benefit of the doubt first I'm very like kind and Mm -hmm. to people because I you have to 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 make sure that you understand where they're coming from yeah so it's my way of giving myself time now to say okay well we'll be friendly yeah and I'll be until we're not (laughs) no you and I but you know you listen to someone I always give people the benefit of the doubt before I write them off and because I'm being polite I can then ask some questions and try and read between the lines and that was a massive learning curve that that's so funny though um so that that would have been the approach that, that I would get from you um yeah. you, you that you're quite open-minded that you are you know show me who you are first before I show you what I think that that's 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 who I think you are and, yeah. and I think that's that's great because as, as it turns out uh, you like me so it's fine <laughs> so it's totally fine if you hadn't have liked me I'd have been like she's a bitch she's a real bitch Um, but but while I think our personalities are quite similar we are definitely different in that I fly off the handle very quickly um 
I my 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 buttons can be pushed. They're not pushed very often, but they can be pushed to the point where I will I will go to I will go in before I take a step back and say, okay, so what was the full extent of the circumstances? And often, you know, that that's I have a fiery, I have a fiery attitude or temper from time to time. And and you know, in business, that doesn't always bode well. Um, because you can often misjudge um, or misrepresent, which is very important. You know, misrepresenting someone or yourself can can be really fatal in the in the wrong circumstances. But I'm really glad you brought that up because Again, while I believe that our personalities are so similar and, and the things that we want and what we're trying to do in terms of our own businesses, and you are ahead of me in that, um, our personalities are similar, but the challenges are definitely very different. Very different. Very different. Very. Okay, so let's move on to the second part of this because I think we should, we should talk about it. Okay. Crystal balls out. Crystal balls. Okay. Um, Got so big balls here. <laughs> what do we think is going to happen post-COVID? Where do you think the opportunities are going to be going forward? I think I'm seeing it already um, in, in terms of the commercial world. Um, yeah. there, there is not... Funny, I was actually... I got my second COVID jab today and I was driving through Belfast City Centre and it was office block after office block after office block, premium rental office for sale, office space for use, office building for sale you know to me it's clear as day that's where it is now you and I again we've touched on this point that I am in the process of trying to secure a commercial building that we are thinking about putting into SA now you've given me a very different take on it with your with your input of the hotel which is fantastic um but prior to you giving me that information we were going to convert it into an SA business because right the boom's in SA right now right mm -hmm. let's be honest but that's where so many people are falling short, Natasha, because they're looking at the short term and they're saying, well, SA is on fire right now. You might get six to 12 months out of it. Um, but I'm holding back because I've learned that exit plans are really, really fucking important. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking in 12 months time, we could be in wave number 64 and we could be in lockdown, you know, 109 version six. You know, maybe the SA business isn't a great idea to buy and sell. I mean, we're talking the guts of a, a million pounds investment here. So I don't want to uh, jump the gun. So where are the opportunities? I believe they're strongly in commercial. Um, I'm also I'm also starting to see the tide turn slightly with estate agents and residential properties, mm -hmm. ever so slightly. So just yesterday i had one of my estate agent friends text me and say i actually shared it in my socials danielle please come and buy this this is his words danielle please come and buy this big bollocks of a house off me we had agreed a price at 230 the buyer has walked i believe you can get this at substantial discount now now in a, in a even two weeks ago three weeks ago that, those text messages wouldn't have come through. That would have been straight back on the market and somebody else would have come in and paid more or um, on or more what it was already agreed at. Okay, I've also had another guy send me through six buy-to-let properties in my investment patch that are not on the market yet. He's an agent. Now, do they need some work? Yes, they do. But two weeks ago, they would have been going online. They would have been going online and flying offline. So I'm starting to see a little bit of a turn. I think the um, opportunities are in assisted sales and 
commercial properties. That's my opinion. And for now, if you have SA, ride the wave, ride the wave while you can. But bet your ass you better have an exit plan in place for when the shit hits the fan. So for me, we rode SA hard and then we switched to buy to let. Um, and we're still on buy to let. I haven't actually gone back to SA since then. Yeah, that was the same for me during the pandemic. My essays went to buy to let because the tenants are still in there. I'm not going to exactly you can't kick them out. You might get strangled. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. So yeah. That. So that that's my thoughts again. It's not. It's crystal ball. I think assisted sales are going to be big um, in the next maybe six to twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that I believe that is because lending is becoming. I don't know what it's like with you or if you've been trying to get lending of late, but it is increasingly difficult to get. Um, you're jumping through hoop after hoop after hoop after hoop. So if you can come in, if, if flips is your thing, um, and if you want to you know, generate hefty chunks of cash, you know, maybe three, four times throughout the year, assisted sales has a huge opportunity for that, huge opportunity. And, and again, the, the company that you keep will be the currency that will deliver that. So getting in with the right estate agents, um, networking and telling the right people. My painter and decorator, who we've got in at the moment in our own house, um, has tipped me off in several properties in the last two days. Mm-hmm. So company is the currency that nobody talks about. Yep, yep. I, with mortgage lending at the moment, residential mortgage lending, you're only going to find it easy to get a mortgage on the second day of the month, I think. That's the only thing that I can narrow it down to at the moment. And here is the reason why. Right. Okay. Theory, theory though, I'm not a broker. Okay. If you apply for a mortgage on the second day of the month when they've just changed their lending criteria above the board, uh, across the board, because what we're seeing every month, lenders are changing their risk appetite depending on what they lend yeah, yeah. on the month before. So if you are first in the door when they've got their new lending criteria out, it's going to be easier to get lending from them. Whereas when you're at the back end of the month and they no longer want more risk or less risk, you, you ah. won't find anything mm-hmm. that, that's a pretty good theory however it does work conversely as well because if you go in for the mortgage on the on the second day of the month and they have they have downsized their appetite for risk you might find yourself being more susceptible to a decline would you not no if they have they, the mortgage lenders change so if one mortgage lender has been risky one month the next month they tend to de-risk and it kind of goes oh okay 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 um, okay that's residential commercial is just commercial is high interest rates at the moment you're not going to find anything 12 months ago we were getting interest rates at about 4.5 percent now you'd be lucky to get 5.5 percent really percent loan to value on 70 percent loan to value yeah wow uh, it's okay. very rare you find a 75 percent um loan to value but again that will probably change over the coming months it's just what we're seeing right now mortgage lending changes on a monthly basis it's almost like mortgage lending has a menstrual cycle (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's a pretty good way to put it actually it can be a real bitch sometimes it can be yeah don't apply for it on the 15th of the month middle of the cycle (laughs) you're your period (laughs) i love it i love it i absolutely love it although that's really useful information i am in terms of well residential maybe maybe not so much um but the buy to lets you know commercial lending is like pulling teeth if you're buying them in bulk Mm -hmm. commercial lending with this project that we have coming up um it's good to know what you've just quoted five percent and that will come in 
that that will change over the next I think that will change over the next six months but for now that's what we're seeing so just budget for it absolutely fab this has been great (laughs) (laughs) it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you thank Thank you. you everybody who's listening I really need you to rate and review this podcast because it helps with other people trying to find the podcast I also want you to come over and follow at honest property investment to let me know if you've liked this and what you want to see more of and ask any questions so that I can answer it in a couple of weeks time on my mailbag episode thank you so much for listening I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon